Good morning, and happy Pentecost Sunday to you. Has anyone ever wished you happy Pentecost Sunday? Well, maybe after the service today, you can wish somebody happy Pentecost Sunday. I was thinking that last year at this time on Pentecost Sunday, I was in the city of Jerusalem and had the privilege to actually go to the Temple Mount on Pentecost Sunday, and uh, that was a wonderful experience, and then went to the the oldest Protestant church in the Middle East that was there in Jerusalem and had uh, communion there. And then after that went to uh, King of Kings Church, which is a prominent church there in Jerusalem for an evening service as well. It was, it was quite a Pentecost Sunday. But here we are, here in the city of Markham, and we are able to sing songs in different languages and worship the Lord together. Isn't that an amazing thing? And we can still be united together as we celebrate Pentecost. So as we look into God's word this morning, shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we look to you. We thank you, Lord, for sending your son Jesus into this world to die for our sins. And we thank you, Jesus, for sending the Holy Spirit to come and to be with us. And as we remember, Lord, the birth of the church and the sending of your spirit into this world, we pray, Lord, that you would teach us from your word and help us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so today is the day of Pentecost, and, and we remember and celebrate this day as the day that the Spirit of God came into the world and the church was birthed. It was 50 days after Jesus' uh, death on the cross, and that's where we get the name Pentecost, or 50th. It also mirrors one of the Hebrew festivals as well called the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of First Fruits or the Feast of Harvest, which occurred 50 days after the Passover, which, of course, the Passover points to, to Christ. Now, as we just sang in this song right now, we sang about the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so sometimes we overlook the Holy Spirit and we concentrate just on the Father and on the sun. So today, the Holy Spirit gets a whole Sunday just to himself, right? Um, we, we see the operation of the Holy Spirit all throughout history. We see him hovering over the waters in creation. We see him inspiring the priests and the prophets of the Old Testament. We see him coming upon Jesus in order to empower him for the ministry that he had to do. We see in the book of Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, we see here, And it says, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. There was this empowerment that was happening. God anointed Jesus, right? He empowered him to do what? That Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. There was this empowerment that was taking place, right? When the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus, Right? And he accomplished all that he had to do all the way till the cross, dying for our sins, redeeming us, and granting us eternal life. Now, the disciples enjoyed having Jesus with them, walking with, um, walking with Jesus, hearing from Jesus, uh, Jesus teaching them. But then what happened is that Jesus started to speak about his departure, started to speak about his death and, and, his, and him going back to the Father. And so that made the disciples sad. It would probably make it any one of us sad if you hear Jesus is leaving. It's not, not the happiest news to receive. But Jesus promised that there was somebody else that was going to come to help, right? And Jesus left with this, with this promise in John chapter 16 and verse 7. It says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. 
it is to your advantage that I go away. So he's saying, look, it's a good thing that I'm going away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Right? So Jesus promised that he would go into heaven and then someone else would come. Now, different translations translate this word a little bit differently. Here it says helper. Uh, other words that are used are advocate or comforter. Uh, all to speak about the Holy Spirit and his work in our lives, his operation in the world today. And so Jesus told the disciples, look, you got to wait around. You got to wait until the Spirit is poured out. And so he left them strict instructions. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This was what Jesus told the disciples. He said, hold on, things are not done, just wait here in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So the disciples waited. They waited one day. They waited two days, three days, five days. What would you have done? Oh, Jesus, you told me you're going to send the Holy Spirit, but we're waiting. He hasn't come yet. Nine days, and finally on the tenth day is when Acts chapter 2 takes place, right? And we read that today as well. Now in your bulletin, you'll see on the back page of your bulletin where the note section is, you will see on the right side of the back page, you'll see there's a column there, and it talks about various things that the Holy Spirit does in our life. Now we have no time this morning to go through all of that unless I get a consensus that we can stay till two o'clock right? But I'm pretty sure I'm not going to get a consensus on that. So you can go home and look at some of those things, right, in the back of the bulletin, read some of those verses and see the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and see how important it is for the Holy Spirit to infill us. See how essential and how critical it is in our day-to-day lives to have the Holy Spirit infilling us, empowering us, and using us for the glory of God. But I wanted to cover probably three larger topics here, and I'll, and I'll touch some of those things on the back page as well. But three things that I really wanted to look at this morning. The first one is that the Spirit baptizes us into one body. The Spirit baptizes us into one body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13 says, some of us are Jews and some of us are Gentiles, some are slaves and some are free, but we have all been what? baptized into one body by one spirit, right? And as you can see here, there's, there's a, 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 a baptizing into the spirit of God, and we share that same spirit. There's a work of unity that the Holy Spirit accomplishes in our lives, and that is something that's very significant. In an age that we live in today of division, of fighting and squabbling, we divide over the smallest things, and we divide over large things as well. We are in critical need of the Holy Spirit to come and bring us together as one body in Christ. It doesn't matter what our background, our ethnicity, our socioeconomic standard, our color, our heritage, or anything else. We need to be one and baptized into that one body through the Holy Spirit. Now, thousands of years ago, the Bible talks about a tower that the people tried to build. It was called the Tower of Babel. And they said, they said, we want to build a tower that goes all the way up to heaven. Now, it was not God's will, and so what God did was he came down and he confounded their language, and they all started speaking different languages, right? And the story is found in Genesis 11, if you want to go and read it later on. But all of these, because they all started speaking in different languages, they all became divided, and they all separated, and the work didn't complete. 
But 2000, approximately 2,000 years ago, when the Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2, the people started speaking in different languages similar to the Tower of Babel, but the result was completely different. Instead of the people being divided and separating and the work stopping, when the Holy Spirit was poured out and people started speaking in different languages, what happened? The people were united together as one. They didn't divide because what they were saying and what they were doing was glorifying to God. The languages didn't divide them, but it actually united them and it brought them together for the glory of God. In Acts chapter 2, we read about this and it says, one second, Acts chapter 2, it says, they were completely amazed How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. It brought them together as they heard in their own language the people glorifying God, the people speaking the praises of God. There was some unity that happened. Some time ago, I was preaching in a, in a Spanish church here in Toronto, and, I, and after the service, I was speaking to some people afterwards, and some people in the congregation, they came up to me, and they were like, oh, pastor, it's so nice that we can talk to you in Spanish. They were talking to me in Spanish, and, and they speak English, right? But they were like, it's so nice that we can talk to you in Spanish. They were so thrilled that they could speak to me in Spanish. There was a sense of unity. There was a sense of oneness because I was speaking their native language, even though they spoke English, and they could have easily spoken to me in English, probably had an easier time. I'm speaking in English for me at least, but we were able to converse and there was a sense of unity. There was a sense of, of oneness that was there. And so the spirit unites us in this common purpose to do what? To praise and glorify the Lord. It's the wonderful things that God does in the body of Christ as we come together as one. And on this day of Pentecost, I want to encourage you, as we did, as when we sang the song, we sang in our language to praise God and glorify God because it brings us together as one, because we are all the children of God. In Romans chapter 8, verses 15 to 17, it says, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. See, what happens when the spirit baptizes us into one body, we become one family. We become brothers and sisters in Christ. We call God Abba Father. We are all this one big body of Christ, this one big family. Now, it doesn't mean that we'll have disagreements. Any families here, you're living in perfect harmony? Probably not. You probably have disagreements. You probably have opinions and things like that. But the beautiful thing is that we can disagree, but still love binds us together. We can disagree with one another on certain things, but we can still be united together as one family because love trumps all of those things. In Romans chapter 5, verse 5, it says, For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us what? The Holy Spirit. To do what? To fill our hearts with his love. Today, I want to encourage you just to cry out to the Lord and say, Holy Spirit, come. It's one of the most ancient prayers. It's one of the shortest prayers, but the most ancient prayers. It's a simple prayer, and it just goes like this. Come, Holy Spirit. And as we pray that, as we sing that at the end of this message, come, Holy Spirit, I just want you to encourage you to just surrender to the Lord and let him fill you with his love. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where we read that same verse about how the Spirit baptizes us into one body, Paul goes on to talk about the body of Christ and how we need each other. He says the foot can't say I'm not part of the body because I'm not the hand. He says the ear can't say I'm not part of the body because I'm not the eye. He says if the whole body were the eye, where were the the smelling? Or where were the hearing? See, we all have different parts in the body of Christ, but we all work together. This hand can't say to this hand, I don't need you. Well, I got the stylus in my hand. No, you don't, right? It it doesn't work that way. But we all work together as, as one, right? We need one another within the body of Christ, and the Spirit baptizes us into that body. We are living in such a divided world today, so let's seek to share the love of Christ with each and every one. Let's seek to be people of kindness and compassion, to share the power and love of Christ with one another. In Acts chapter 10, we read about the story of a man named Cornelius. Now, Cornelius was a man that feared God, and God gave him a vision. And in that vision, he said, hey, Cornelius, there's a guy named Peter. I want you to call Peter to your house, and he's going to tell you some other stuff. And so after the vision, Cornelius sends a a person out to, to find Peter, the apostle Peter, And Peter, at this time, he was having this vision. And he saw this vision of all of these animals coming down on a great sheet. And all these animals that were there, and according to the Jewish law, there were animals there that he shouldn't eat because they were unclean animals. But he heard a voice saying, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, no, 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 I can't do that because those things are unclean. I don't want to touch that. Stay away from me. Right? But then as Peter was thinking about this, what happens? In Acts chapter 10, verse 19 and 20 says, Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, what happened? Here we see the Holy Spirit. He's working again. He tells Peter, the Holy Spirit said to him, Three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. The Holy Spirit here is working because what is he trying to do? He's trying to bring people together as one. He's trying to remove divisions right? And so Peter says, okay, the Holy Spirit told me to go, so I'm going to go. So Peter goes and he gets to Cornelius' house and he realizes this is a house of a Gentile, me being a Jew, them being a Gentile. Ugh, can't do that. So as soon as he walks into his house, he walks into Cornelius' house and he tells Cornelius the first thing, Cornelius, I'm so happy to be here. No. He says, Cornelius, I shouldn't be here, right? What would you say, right? Mary Lou, if I came to your house and I walked into your house and I said, Mary Lou, I shouldn't be here. You'd probably say, well, Pastor Daniel, if you don't want to be here, then get out. Right? But this is what Peter, Peter said. He walked into Cornelius' house, a Gentile's house, and he said, look, Cornelius, I shouldn't be here. But you know, this guy, the Holy Spirit, he told me to go. So I'm here. I came. And so Cornelius tells Peter exactly what happened, this vision and everything. So Peter's there, and there's other people there with Peter, other Jewish people there with Peter. And Peter starts to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and starts to share what Jesus did. And then all of a sudden, something amazing happens. In Acts chapter 10, verse 44 to 46, it says, even as Peter was saying these things, what happens? The Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. And the Jewish believers who came with Peter were what? those Gentiles. What's happening to them? It says here, the Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the 
Gentiles too, for they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. These Jewish people, they saw what had happened. Peter saw what had happened. He said, look, the same thing that happened in Acts chapter 2, the same thing that happened on the day of Pentecost, what we're celebrating right now, it happened in Acts chapter 10 again in Cornelius' house. And the Jewish people are wondering, how in the world is this happening? Those guys are Gentiles. They're like, oh, we need to stay away from them. But now they have the Holy Spirit. And we have the Holy Spirit. What are we going to do now? We have to come together as one. See, the Spirit baptizes us into one body. We need to be thankful for the Spirit of God. Because prior to this, they thought the gospel was just for the Jewish people. But now the Gentiles are coming in to the family of God. See what a difference the Spirit of God makes. That he removes divisions. He removes barriers. He removes prejudices. He removes things so that we can worship together as one body. It's no longer Jew and Gentile. It's no longer black and white. It's no longer Canadian or Chinese. It's no longer male or female. It's no longer rich or poor. It's no longer educated or uneducated. It's no longer all of those divisions. But we're one body in Jesus Christ. Isn't that a beautiful thing? There's no more of those divisions. So, so the Holy Spirit had to speak to Peter. Peter, you better go with these people. Peter still goes there and says, I shouldn't be here. But then the Holy Spirit says, forget it. I'm taking control here. I'm pouring myself out here on these people. Peter, you can't say anything because now they have the Holy Spirit. And they're like, we are one together. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse uh, 3 says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. You know, there's a, I'll show you this picture here. This is actually a picture of uh, Operation Shoebox, which we also uh, help to contribute towards. And this is something that's happening in Papua New Guinea. It's a picture in Papua New Guinea. And there was a little girl that was attending this distribution of the shoeboxes, and she wanted to receive a shoebox. And she was in tears when she actually received her shoebox because she thought that she wouldn't get one, and she really wanted one for school. And she knew her parents didn't have money for school supplies. The group that was distributing it shared the gospel with her. And she was moved again to tears. They invited her to a discipleship class, and she received Christ as her Savior. And her parents started coming to church, and her parents received Christ as well. But then on another distribution evening, what happened is that there were two fighting tribes. And these tribes attended, the children of these tribes attended along with their parents. And the Spirit of God moved in that event and brought reconciliation between the tribes. The chiefs of those two tribes reconciled. And look at this. You know what they said? They said that we should raise our children in a godly manner. And the villages stopped fighting. And they experienced the love and peace of God. If there's division in your family, be filled with the Spirit. If there's division in your workplace, be filled with the Spirit. If there's division in your heart, be filled with the Spirit of God. Because He brings us into one family, into one body. The second thing, and I'll just go a little quickly, uh, is the Spirit works in us to glorify Christ. You will see this in, in, in the back page of your bulletin. You will see all of these different works that the Holy Spirit does in our life. And the end result and the purpose of all those things is to bring glory to Christ. John 16 verse 14 says, He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. See, the Holy Spirit within the Trinity, the Holy Spirit is not trying to get glory, but he's pointing towards Jesus and he's saying, look, he's the one that gets the glory. And so if you look at some of those things that are written there on your back page, realize that all those things that the Holy Spirit is doing is for the glory of Christ. Christ. 
So he convicts us of sin for the glory of Christ. He abides with us for the glory of Christ. He leads us into truth for the glory of Christ. He comforts and encourages us for the glory of Christ. He strengthens our inner being for the glory of Christ. You see the pattern here, right? He transforms our character for the glory of Christ. He sanctifies us for the glory of Christ. He fills us with love and with joy for the glory of Christ. The Spirit helps us to put to death the deeds of our, of our sinful nature for the glory of Christ. He produces the fruit of the Spirit in our lives for the glory of Christ. He gives us spiritual gifts for the glory of Christ. He helps us to pray for the glory of Christ, and he empowers us to share the gospel for the glory of Christ. We need to realize and know that everything that we do is dependent on the Holy Spirit, and it's for the glory of Christ. We are totally dependent on the Holy Spirit. Charles Spurgeon said, without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are as ships without the wind, branches without sap, and like coals without fire, we are useless. When the Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, it was a promise that was given to everyone. Acts 2 verse 38 and 39 says, Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the, what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and to those who are far away, all who have been called by the name, by the Lord our God. We have this awesome promise from the Lord and our hearts should cry out, Lord, fill me. This morning as we celebrate the day of Pentecost, our hearts should cry out, Lord, fill me. I want to just show you something here. Okay, this is a cleaning glove. This cleaning glove is like our lives, right? Without the Holy Spirit, you know how good we are? Yeah. But what happens is the Holy Spirit, like my hand, comes and does what? Fills us. See, when the Holy Spirit comes and fills us, nice snug fit, then we are useful. Then we can be used by the Lord. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit to fulfill the mission of God. Empowered by the Spirit to fulfill the will of God. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior. I want to invite you, as this promise says, is that if we surrender to the Lord Jesus, He'll forgive us of our sins and He'll give us the gift of the Holy Spirit. We should cry out, Lord, fill me. And after, uh, after teaching about prayer in the gospel, when Jesus taught about the Lord's Prayer and he taught his disciples how to pray, right? He, uh, he also said, he said, if, if a child asks a father for a fish, will he give him a snake? It was a rhetorical question. Of course not. And if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? Of course not. So then Jesus says in Luke chapter 11 and verse 13, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Let's cry today for more of the Spirit in our lives. Let's call out today and pray that simple prayer. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, fill me. The Christian Missionary Alliance in Canada has this beautiful vision prayer. 
This is the vision prayer of the Christian Missionary Alliance, the denomination that we're part of. And it says, Oh God, with all of our hearts, we long for you. Come transform us to be Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, mission-focused people, multiplying disciples everywhere. Can we pray that same prayer? Oh God, with all of our hearts, we long for you. Come transform us to be Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, mission-focused people, multiplying disciples everywhere. And that brings me to my last point. The third thing is that the Spirit empowers us to the priesthood of all believers. Now stay with me here. Don't think about lunch for a second, okay? Just stay with me here because I'm going to take you on a little journey here. And I need you to stay from beginning to the end. Otherwise, I don't want you to go on a rabbit trail, okay? Now you might have heard the term priesthood of all believers, It's a term maybe that you might have used. It's a term that came about after the Reformation where the early reformers, uh, they tried to uh, use that term to communicate and to explain how each and every one of us as a priest has the opportunity to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We don't have to go through somebody else. We don't have to go through a pastor or through, through a priest, but God gives us the opportunity to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so that term priesthood of all believers came about. But do you know that we are also called to be prophets. Now you're thinking, who, me? Yes, you. We are called to be prophets. Now, there's, uh, uh, let me tell you uh, one thing. There's, uh, when you think about the priesthood of all believers, that's something that's more internal, this relationship with God. But when you talk about the prophethood of all believers, this is something a little bit external. But let me tell you, when you, when you use these words, there are like two different levels. For example, so stay with me here. For example, you have the term like an evangelist, okay? Now, we are all called to be evangelists. We're all called to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, to share the good news, to share the love of God. But sometimes, and in some occasions, God gives a special gift of evangelism to somebody, and he's known as an evangelist. Similarly with the word prophet. We're all called to be prophets. Now, there, are, there, there is an office of a prophet that the Spirit of God comes upon a person and gives them this gift of, uh, or, or this office of a prophet, But the second distinction I want to make as well is the word prophet. Sometimes when we think about prophet, we think of this is somebody that just predicts the future, right? Can you put up your hand if you thought that a prophet predicts the future? Anyone? A few people? Okay. A prophet predicts the future. But a more holistic definition of the word prophet is someone who is empowered by the Spirit of God to fulfill the mission of God. I'll say that again. Someone who is empowered by the Spirit of God to fulfill the mission of God. Now, now Abraham, for example, was a prophet. In Genesis chapter 20 and verse 7, we won't read all the verse, but it says here, talking uh, about, uh, about Abraham, he says, uh, about Abraham will pray for you, for he is a prophet. You can read the context of that later on, right? But it talks about Abraham being a prophet. Moses was considered a prophet. He was empowered by the Spirit to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15 says, Moses continued, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet. This is speaking in a prophetical sense as well about Jesus. Will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. Moses was talking about the Messiah. But there's so many instances in the Old Testament where the Spirit of God came upon a person for a specific purpose and at a specific time to accomplish a specific mission. People like Daniel, who stood for the Lord. People like Samson. The Bible says the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and what did he do? He ripped a lion in two. Right? People like Isaiah, who spoke about the Messiah. 
People like uh, who in the tabernacle, the Bible says the Spirit of God came upon two men to design the articles of the tabernacle. Joshua, it says, was empowered by the Spirit to lead Israel after Moses died. Moses was empowered by the Spirit. We've been studying about King David. And King David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, was, was empowered by the Spirit to fight for Israel. And all these things we see in the Old Testament, that at times and places, the Spirit of God came upon people to accomplish a specific purpose. But see here, Moses' burden. In Numbers chapter 11, it says, Moses saying here, he says, I wish that the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them all. You know what the key word here is? All. All. This was Moses' desire. He knew it wasn't going to happen. But this was his desire. And so he knew what it was like to be empowered by the spirit. And he desired that same empowerment for all of God's people. And then after that, we see this awesome prophecy in the book of Joel, which Peter quoted in Acts chapter 2, which we read. But the prophecy comes from the book of Joel in chapter 2, where it says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. And then we come to the New Testament, and this continues to build, where the Spirit of God comes upon John the Baptist from the womb. The Holy Spirit comes upon Mary in order to conceive Jesus. Elizabeth and Zechariah, the parents of John the Baptist, are filled with the Spirit. The Spirit comes upon Simeon in the temple when Jesus comes there to be dedicated. And we see all of these things happening until the climax and the fullness we see when the Spirit of God comes upon Jesus. And then he tells his disciples... Wait in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high, which is the Holy Spirit. Can you see where we've gone? Can you see how people like Abraham were prophets? And we see prophets all throughout the Old Testament, but they were people that were empowered to accomplish the will of God. They were people that were filled with the Spirit of God to fulfill the mission of God. And then we see this desire of Moses. Lord, I wish, I hope that all of the people would be filled with the Spirit of God. I wish and I hope that everyone here would be filled with the Spirit of God. I wish and I hope that the Spirit of God would move all over the world and people would come to Christ and be filled with the Spirit of God. And then we see Joel prophesying about it. And then we come to Acts chapter 2. And we see here, but you will receive power. Jesus is telling them when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This was the fulfillment of Moses' desire. It was the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. It was the fulfillment of Jesus' ministry. When the Spirit comes with power and Peter and the other apostles, they stand up and they are filled with the Spirit. Peter preaches a message that's empowered by the Spirit. 3,000 people come to know Jesus as their Savior. Why? Because remember what this verse says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And what will you be? Witnesses. See, the Spirit of God comes upon us for the prophethood of all believers so that we as prophets, empowered by the Spirit of God, become witnesses. The Spirit of God comes upon all of us. Empowered by the Spirit, what do we become? Witnesses. We talked about what the Holy Spirit does, and there's so many beautiful things that are listed there in your handout, in in, in your bulletin. But at the bottom, there's one thing that says there. It says empowerment to witness. What does that mean? 
It means that we are filled with his spirit. We obtained boldness to tell others about what Jesus has done. Isn't it good news what Jesus has done? Isn't it wonderful, the love of Jesus, the forgiveness of God, the grace of God, the peace of the Lord, the joy of the Lord, the comfort of the Spirit, the care of a Father, the provision of God, all of this stuff is good news that God wants us to share with other people. In the Old Testament time, the Spirit came upon certain people at certain times to fulfill a certain mission God had for them. But now the Spirit of God is poured out upon all of us to fulfill the mission of God. And what is that mission? It is the Great Commission. To take the word of God. To share the word of God. And in our lives today, God wants us to fulfill that mission. Going back to this vision prayer of the Christian Missionary Alliance. It talks about being, at the end of it, it says, multiplying disciples everywhere. Can you read this with me? Right? On three. One, two, three. Oh God, with all our hearts, we long for you. Come, transform us to be Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, mission-focused people, multiplying disciples everywhere. Can you see the last part of that? It's spirit-empowered, but then it's what? Mission-focused. The spirit empowers us to tell others, to multiply disciples everywhere. In everything that we do, we are empowered by the spirit. How much do we need the spirit of God? The Spirit of God is here to fill us, to transform us, to change us, to inspire us, to lead us, to help us, to take us out of our comfort zones so that we can come out of our boxes and share the love of Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are called to be Spirit-empowered people, to be witnesses of what Jesus has done all over the world, multiplying disciples everywhere, here in Unionville, here in Markham, here in Ontario, here in Canada, and all over the world. And it's all because of what happened on the day of Pentecost. You will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem, in Judea, and all throughout Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the world. Jesus knew that he was empowered by the Spirit. And we have that same privilege to be empowered by the Spirit of the Lord. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, that the time of the Lord's favor has come. This was not just when Jesus lived. I want to tell you today, we, as part of the prophethood of all believers, have that same mission, that the spirit of the living God is upon us. The spirit of the living God is upon us to do what? Proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. To tell those that are bound, Jesus can set you free. To tell those that are oppressed, there is victory in Jesus. To tell those that are burdened, come to the Lord because there is good news. Do you have that hope? In your bulletin, you would have gotten a card like this. Does everyone have one of those? Can you just hold it up? If you have a card like this, it's a red card. Can you just hold it up like this? I'm going to tell you about it, but just hold it up. Okay? Now, as you hold it up, can you just wave it like this? See, now you all are Raptors fans, see? <laughs> see, it's red, right? So join us tomorrow night, right? Last ga- hopefully last game. Yeah. History-making day. Anyways, but this card, more importantly than the Raptors winning, this card is an alpha card. And the purpose of this card is... 
It says here, who in your life could you pray for? A neighbor, a co-worker, a family member, a friend. Luke 11 verse 2 is the Lord's Prayer. We're running Alpha in September. September 29th is our first day of Alpha. On the back here, there's a space. Can I ask you right now, I'm just going to give you 30 seconds. Can you just write one name on this card? One name of a person that you want to pray for during the summer? One name of a person that you want to share this good news? One name of a person that you want to be, that prophet who speaks into that person's life and says, look, I got awesome news for you because Jesus died and he rose again and he wants to give you eternal life. Isn't that good news? That makes us a prophet. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. We are proclaiming what God has done. The spirit of the living God is upon us. And if you think it's a little hard to do that, then ask the Lord, Lord, fill me with your spirit and the spirit will empower you. And if you're here today and maybe you don't know the Lord Jesus and you're just wondering about all of these things that we're talking about, and if you see your neighbor and he or she has a card like that, can you just lean over to them and say, can you write my name? And they'll pray for you. And I wanted to invite you. And maybe you've never been to an Alpha course. We're going to be running two Alpha courses, one on Sunday mornings and another on Wednesday nights come September. And we're going to talk a little bit about that going into the, into the fall. But I just want to encourage you. Pray for the Holy Spirit to fill you as you pray, as you invite someone, as you walk with someone, as you help someone, as you encourage someone, as you bless someone, as you share the love of God with someone. We are spirit-empowered people with a mission that's focused on sharing the love of God. We are spirit-empowered people to accomplish the mission of God through the prophethood of all believers, each and every one of us. We are called as prophets to speak the word of God, to share the word of God, to share the love of God with everyone. God is calling us. Revelation 19 verse 10 says, Worship only God, for the essence of prophecy is what? To give a clear witness for Jesus. We're going to help you out with an alpha course. But can I ask your help to come to one and bring somebody with you? Can I ask your help to give a clear witness for Jesus and say, yes, I feel the spirit of the living God upon me. I know the Lord has done so much for me. And I feel the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to share that love because we are empowered to do what? Be witnesses. Be witnesses. I'm just going to close that the worship team can come uh, with a story about a man named Jeremy Hambrice. I'll show you a picture here. This is also in Papua New Guinea. And this is the Wantakia people. They live in a very isolated place. And uh, they have uh, been asking, some people have left there and been asking to have God talk or the word of God in their language. And these three fa- there's three families that went from the United States to that place because they realized that they needed to take the word of God there. They were living with people and studying their language in order so that the Wantakians could have the word of God in their own language. They studied their culture. They spoke with them. They didn't have a written language, so they made an alphabet. And now they started to translate the Bible into that language, right? And they're doing it from creation all the way to Christ. But Jeremy, the guy on the top left, Jeremy he went to Southern uh, Arkansas University on a baseball scholarship. And in his junior year, he got called up by the New York Mets to play professional baseball. And in his second season, he was being discipled. And he said, 
This is his words. For the first time, Jeremy said, I began to see that there was a story other than mine, and I wanted to be involved in God's story. And Jeremy realized, he said, he said, I should not ask God, what is your will for my life? Instead, he said, you should ask God, what is your will? And how do I fit into that? It's not about Lord, what is your will for my life? But God, what is your will? And how do I fit into that plan? He said, I was challenged with the fact that we had the Bible in our language for over 400 years, but there were 2,000 or more languages that had not even one piece of the word of God. So Jeremy said, as far as he was concerned, he needed a call from God to stay instead of go. He was on a trajectory to earn millions of dollars, but he gave all of that up. And now four years in, and after spending countless hours with the Wantakian people, the missionaries have learned their language, created an alphabet for them, and they've started translating the scriptures. How is this all possible? It's through the Holy Spirit. Spirit-empowered people. Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, mission-focused. Can we ask the Lord today, instead of, Lord, what is your will for my life? Ask the Lord today, Lord, what is your will for the world? And Lord, how do I play a part in that? Can we ask the Lord that? We have a hope. The Bible says in Romans chapter 15, verse 13, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to sing this song called Fullness. And I just want to encourage you. Can we just all stand? I just want to encourage you as we sing this song. We're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to come down upon us. And I'm going to ask the prayer team to come up here as well too. And as we sing, if if you want to just respond and say, again, this ancient prayer, come Holy Spirit. And if you want to just respond, maybe just raising your hand and saying, Holy Spirit, come and fill me. Maybe you want to kneel down where you are and say, Holy Spirit, come and fill me. Maybe you want to just go into the aisle and and kneel down or raise your hand and say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Maybe you want to come up here to to the front here and just say, Holy Spirit, fill me. I want to be Christ-centered. I want to be Spirit-empowered. I want to be mission-focused. I want to be a witness of what you have done for me. I want to tell the world that Jesus is alive. I want to tell the world that Jesus loves them. I want to share the gospel. I want to share the love of God with everyone because Christ has transformed my life. I want others to see that. The reason why we tell others is because of what Jesus has done for us. And as we sing this song and we ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill us, I just want to encourage you right now just to surrender to the Holy Spirit and say, Spirit, come. Spirit, fill me. Spirit, transform me. Spirit, change me. Give me a larger vision for your people. Lord, help me to see. Not, Lord, what is your will for my life, but, Lord, what is your will in this world and how do I fit into that plan? I'm telling you, there's so many people out there that need the love of Jesus. Can we be Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, and mission-focused? Let's see. Stirring.